The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, that does sound nice, Sam. Sounds like it does. A beautiful, a beautiful <laughs> can of wine. <laughs> well, you know what? That's exactly the way we should open the show with a beautiful can of wine. And hey, everybody, welcome to the Winemakers. I'm John Meyer, sitting here with Sam Katuri and Bart Hansen, and Dan and Danielle. Okay, lengua, lengua. Okay, I got it close. So at that point. Welcome everybody. Did I, con- to did the I confuse house. you when I said Lang Lang Lois? That's yeah, how, for those so. scoring at home. That's how you spell it. Is is like Lois Lane, but Lang Lois. Or Langlois is a Langlois. Yeah. Is a <laughs> A winemaker from Houston is a Langlois. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, uh, Sam. Reach over and turn that microphone on. Yeah. There we go. Ching. Microphones work better yeah, yeah, when yeah. switched yes, in the absolutely in the full upright and on position. Man, what a beautiful day! Another beautiful day in Sonoma. This is what maybe seventy-two degrees, perfect sky, nice, nice, gorgeous. Yeah, this is the kind of day you want to taste some fabulous wine. I heard Sam is only here because of the 2014 Moved. Is that it? Well, <laughs> I, I may have been exaggerating, okay. but not entirely. It's, uh, you know, I, I've known Dan and Danielle um, for a long time, going back to before 2014, or was it 2014 when you started making that wine and you, you were uh, I moved here in 2013, so I probably met you at some point and started working fall, for Rom For, harvest, for right? Robert, yeah, in fall. In fall of 13? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, these guys have been here for for a while now, and it's cool to see, um, you know, where Danielle has gone, not just with, um, you know, the, the Jean de Bois wines, but career in general, um, and to get to go back to the beginning of it and taste that wine with um, this label that has such a great story <laughs> that we'll talk about. Uh, excited to have these guys here. I, I do have to say, I keep trying to smell this can of rosé. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I've done it like three times. It's, uh, you know, mm, don't cut your mineral, nose. metallic. Uh, yeah, don't cut your, don't cut your nose. <laughs> it, um, uh, it, the package turned out great, Sam. Thank you. I mean, you know, it, it, Clearly, that's half the battle with the can of wine, right? It, it's um, a whole different sort of venue for uh, you know brand expression. Um, so I'm I mean, happy about it. Yeah, it, and it, it tastes great. Um, and I could see that you these things ice cold. You just they just literally they just crush. Dis- them. They just disappear. The yeah, powder. Yeah. It's I mean. it. I believe I'm gonna have to go like check the records on it. Um, and you know these are the kinds of things that you pull off when phil isn't looking um 
I think this is the lowest alcohol wine we've ever made. It's it's 13, maybe it was 13.1, and I just made it, rounded it off to 13 on the can. Um, but Primitivo. Uh, oh, yeah, it's the Ross grapes, It's, it's huh? the Ross grapes, yeah. yeah. awesome. Canard Family Farm. I put Canard Family Farms on the label just to push Ross to have more than one farm. I think it, he technically is Canard Family Farm, <laughs> but the vineyard is a separate farm. Um, so, yeah, this is, you know, a, a collaboration with um, one of my oldest friends, literally, since I was two years old. Um, so uh, it, it's a cool... Uh, Kind of, you know, coming together of a crazy idea I had. So, I like the I, fact you called out Stanley Mouse as the artist on the can. Well, you know what? So this whole back, this whole like back label that become that became uh, uh, sideways side label on the can um, is way the the art is way blown up. So you see the the Stanley Mouse signature and artist Stanley Mouse, and then wine grower actually, although. Technically, it's incorrect. I mean, wine grower Ross Kennard, but wine grower <laughs> Phil Kateri on the uh, uh, <laughs> on the tractor. In so many um, words, right? <laughs> right. It's sort it's of for the twenty twenty trickle down farming, <laughs> trickle down ag- agriculture and agronomics. <laughs> oh, dead air. Mm. Oh boy. No, we're drinking. You can't talk with drinking with a mouthful. Air, and is, we've got a we've got a nice yeah. puppy this morning. Yeah, moose is here. Good moose. Yeah. Tiny moose. So <laughs> yeah. jump jumping right into the fourteen. Pomplamoose for full name. I, hey, I don't well, think I've actually opened a fourteen in a in a while, so it'll be interesting. We don't have much of it left. Yeah, to see. I put I put yeah. aside ten cases, but we keep we kept diving into them for a while. So. <laughs> Yeah, eventually I mean, when you it. make wine specifically so you can drink it, you know, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into this wine. So all we know is that's the first wine that you made. Yes. To see if Danielle could make something that tastes good. I yes. think that was the quote. Drinkable. Uh, drinkable. 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 It, didn't even have to, it didn't even have to taste good. It just had to be, <laughs> yeah. it just had to be drinkable. I think uh, you succeeded, though. <laughs> So tell us, tell us about where you got the grapes, Danielle, and just, yeah, dive um, into it. Well, so the story is, so I um, moved here and started working for um, Cayman Wines under Mark Harold and Katie Wilson, and um, had a great, super fun, yeah. yeah, great, great, super fun first harvest. I mean, worked my butt off, and like literally my pants were loose, and um it, you know, it was just, it was super fun. You know, it's a small winery. It's a small crew. You're making boutique wines. Um, and I just learned so much from, from all of them. And so the next year, I was really interested in making my own wine just to see if I could do it and, you know, see if this is something that um, I really wanted to pursue on my own to, like, have my own kind of side label. So um, I originally wanted to make a Petit Syrah. Because I had um, the B-Y's Petite Syrah and mm-hmm. just loved it. I mean, you eat that with a piece of dark chocolate and you're in heaven. And um, so I asked Mark if he could get me some Petite Syrah through his Vineyard Connections. Um, and the whole time... Did, did, he, did he? What was his reaction? Did he just laugh? Oh, or? no, no. He told me yes. He oh, told okay. me yes. Um, but at the time... Um, uh, just a big Mark barrel laugh heard around the the winery exactly yeah echoing through the halls of a street east 
at the time, um, Mike, who was working under him, was like telling me, Danielle, you don't want to make petite sera. You don't want to make petite sera. You're going to be in Robert's way. It's going to come in at the same time as the cab. Like, you don't want to make drama. Like, just... So, Harvest 2014, you were still working... I was actually working for Cake Bread, but Robert was allowing uh, me to make that's, one that's right. You were, of you were like working in the lab at Cake Bread. Yeah. That's right. So, okay. so on wow, the day. That's days, very presumptuous of you. <laughs> what? I mean, you know. That she was working in the lab? No, no, no. no, I, re- no, I'm, no I actually no, remember no, no, that, Bart. I, <laughs> I, was, I was joking with Danielle making her wine at Cayman while working somewhere else. I mean, oh, well, I had already <laughs> addressed this with Robert. I asked him out. I bought him a glass of champagne or probably sparkling because I made no money. And. Um, <laughs> And he politely, knew. He, he choked it down, I'm he, sure. Yeah. And then ordered something more expensive. <laughs> he knew why I was there. And, um, you know, he was like, I love your dad. So, sure, you can make some wine. But he was like, as soon as it gets in the way, it's going in the street. And I was like, okay, Robert, sounds good. Um, so, I had the permission before I went on this venture. Um, and so, Mike was telling me, you don't want petite sera, you don't want petite sera, you should do this Morved, it's great Morved, we pull it from Contra Costa, it's beautiful, you're gonna love it. And I didn't know anything about Rhone varietals or Morved at all. Um, and he finally got Mark to call me um, on their way up to the vineyard and I could hear Mark and I could hear Mike in the background and Mike was like, tell her it's no good, tell her it's no good. And Mark's like, yeah, you you really don't want this petite sirots. <laughs> tasting super weird this year he's like yeah yeah tell her tell her she should take the movement yeah you really really want them more of that and so i was like you know what these guys know what they're doing they've been doing it for a while so um i'll take that they really they wanted the petites right i was waiting for weird you mean uh, you want to keep it oh mark Mark told me the petites right was amazing that year yeah Yeah, (laughs) um so for whatever reason uh was behind it i ended up taking the Morved from um, Contra Costa, from Castano Castano Family Farm. And uh, it turned out to be amazing, and it started my love affair with Rhone grape varietals. Um, I think I made it to drinkable, and this is a 14. Um, I did maybe a slightly too big acid add, so that means it's going to, you know, be able to age for a while. But um, I think it's really nice. And um, Castano Family Farms is grown their old vine Morved, um, some of the oldest in California, and they grow in 100 feet of sand right off the delta. Um, and Is it unrooted? Do you know? I, I'm not sure. Yeah. A lot, I mean, a lot of those, they, the they, they claim anyway that the phylloxera doesn't grow in those sandy soils, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of those vines out there are on their own roots. Right. Um, yeah. Pretty wild stuff. Yeah. And also pretty, you know, when you think about it, you could have made some petites or off from some place, would have been like, that'd probably be right. But you got to work your first vintage. You were working with... Would a bottle of petites or <laughs> inspire you to start a career in winemaking? <laughs> well, if you're Depending. if you're Scott Kirkpatrick, right. maybe, yes. but... There are people that it's done that too, but... I mean, this is, you know, it... it um, clearly was the wine you were supposed to make. Yeah. I mean, yeah. first of all, at, at age seven eight right now it's um it tastes great yeah it does um and you know you're you're part of the roan family now yeah i love being a part of the roan family (laughs) i do 
Um, yeah, I, I think the wine's beautiful. It's aromatically. That's yeah. what it's got me is the aromatics on it. It's really pretty. Um, it's, it's, it's very like Bandol, Bandol Mavedra. It's got those like just classic Mavedra. Yeah, classic Mavedra aromatics. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Thank you. Um, no, I, I mean, you know, drinkable. Is that what we're? Uh, yeah, it's, drink, it's, drink, drinkable. it's drinkable. It's drinkable. <laughs> you so, can be honest about this wine because I'm not trying to sell it. So. Oh, okay. Well, so but so this wine was <laughs> fantastic. So this wine was 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 meant to be a homemade wine. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and we only made one ton. Uh, we completely hand bottled it, hand corked it. My poor friend's arm was so sore because yeah. she was just. One cork after the other, yeah, 50 the, cases of wine. At the time, I saw her buying grapes, and I somehow squeezed my in, myself into a ton of Syrah. Oh, yeah. I'm up in, we'll call it Napa. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, Pam Howard Vineyard, uh, I think Marco Vincente still um, farms Is Marco there. still farming up there? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I got a ton of grapes there, and I kind of, I crushed it at a facility on 8th Street, and like... It was, it was in the way. Air quotes facility. It basically lived on the street, and I got to shuttle it in at night. And then I, if if you were the last person there, I I, I would show up at night to make sure that it went in with pretty minimal. uh, Same, the first time I'd ever made wine, and we just, I just moved here, and it was, everybody was just like, well, that's what they're doing here. So either you know, sink or swim, jump on board or. So, so since we since we didn't actually introduce Dan, uh, <laughs> aka Bigfoot, um, how how did you? I mean, you know, I know there there was a connection between your dad and and Robert, right, yeah. Danielle? But how did you guys? Like, where you know talk about where you were before you got to Sonoma, how you got to Sonoma, and and you know sort of what what the coming to Sonoma track was started on and and um, you know how that all happened so um I was a ski bum in Crested Butte Colorado um I graduated from um university and moved immediately to uh Crested Butte and stayed there for five years <laughs> and then I woke up one day that, and I that was, would be a ski bum yeah and you know? I was 27 and I wasn't making any money and I was like I like skiing, but not this much. So I decided it was time to grow up. And um, that's when I moved back to Colorado, uh, went to college too. I called it for real this time and um, studied chemistry. And I was doing um, chemistry work, lab work, um, specifically environmental science work. Um, what school in Colorado? Uh, UC Denver, so the Denver campus. Um, And, you know, the research that I was doing wasn't really um, applicable to the real world. So I felt like we were just trying to like, you know, making these um, crazy situations that weren't what was actually happening. So it wasn't going to help solve any real world issues. And um, my dad, since I was probably 24 or 25 had tried to convince me to move to California and make wine. Um, probably since he became friends with Robert, (laughs) he was like, Danielle, you're social, you're outgoing, you love to drink. Like I really, (laughs) thanks dad. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of a requirement. Thanks for the push dad. Um, he's like, I really think you should move to California and make wine. I think you would be great at it. I think you would really love it. And, um, 
so you know after a year and a half or two years um back in school i said you know what let's do it and um I had met Dan when I was, uh, when I had moved back and we had started dating. Um, and when I expressed that, you know, I was going to move to California and make wine, he was super into it. He wanted to move to California too. So, so you guys have known each other how long? 11 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, your dad is a, a wine collector. Yes. Was, were you interested in like the jack seller as a you know growing up or were you just like you'd go down there and steal a bottle to go get drunk with your friends or is it like did you have that sort of connection of what was in there to what the vineyards were had had no, he made i mean did it, he not let you touch that he's like stay no stay the hell out of there the, he did the even meaner thing which was go pick out a bottle and then we would always pick one out and he'd be like oh that's that's like a f- I'm watching you suck down that $500 bottle of wine, Danielle. And I'm like, well, I didn't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it had a nice label. What was I supposed to do? He told me to pick it out. Thanks, Dad. Um, so, you know, um, growing up, my dad became into wine. I mean, he's, he's French. He was born in the French West Indies um, in Guadeloupe and uh, immigrated to the United States when he was 11. Um, and then in his adult life, he really started to connect with drinking wine and, and, you know, over the years as he's gotten older, he's gotten, you know, more involved and, um, coming out to California a couple times a year before COVID and, um, going to France and Italy. Um, and so, I mean, he kind of was always the one providing the wine to drink at the dinner table and, um, you know. Our families got together in New Orleans every year, huge families, and he would always bring wine and open wine for everybody. Um, you know, and but when I was younger, I really wasn't paying very much attention to where the wine was from, the producers. It would just tasted good and made me feel good. So, <laughs> yeah, and and sometimes that's the best bottles of wine, ultimately, right? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, some of them. There's really a reason that they're what they are because they taste good right i mean and you don't have to that's the best bottle of wine really is the one that just tastes good unacademically like not having to do that deep dive into it yeah i mean if it tastes good right chances are it's probably a good bottle of wine right. if it doesn't taste good and you're just sucking it down because it's alcohol and it's probably bad wine <laughs> you know right I mean, and then you stick with beer and cocktails. Yeah. I mean, we always had wine uh, in my family growing up, you know, at at big family gatherings. And it was never, it was just, you know, it was whatever was local Sonoma County wine at the time, you know, in the 70s and 80s. So it was just what was available. And it was always good, but it was never, it was never memorable, I wouldn't say. Right. You know, but yeah. And it's awesome. And Dan, you fit in all of this more from the ag side? Yeah, I was doing uh, cannabis in Denver. And that was right about the time that she said she wanted to leave to California. <clears throat> cannabis was being legalized in Denver. The, the market had pretty much shut, shut down. <laughs> and I was looking to come to California anyway. And so I kind of just dragged my feet and... Took a little, took a little bit to get me out here, and once I got out here, I actually begged your father for a job, which <laughs> pretty much Robert's fault that I that he let me on, and uh, we started working for your father for five years or six years until we got pregnant. It's time to quit the 
quit the vineyard grind so hard. <laughs> Start being a father. Right. You can't be there if you wake, leave the house at five every morning. It's, 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 yeah. it's a bummer when you have to, you know, can't be there for the pick first thing in the morning, right? It's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it depends I on think... what number of pick that is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and what the year's it's been like. A, yeah. I think Quinn wakes up just as early, so... Yeah. <laughs> Quinn, Quinn works farmer's hours anyway. <laughs> no, you know, working in the vineyard, I learned a lot, and uh, I'm still growing grapes now, and all organic. You know, we try to take a biodynamic approach, but not necessarily claim that you know we're doing. I'm not going to put myself in any type of bubble. We're just trying to do be stewards of the land and do the best that we can with the least amount of input in the most natural way, not affecting our surroundings and kind of creating a an ecosystem that thrives right. instead of kind of is a succubus to the rest of the world and like you were saying the other day the secondhand smoke with all the chemicals everything right. leaching out of the soil into people's water supply and how close that everyone's living right now that you know what you do on your land really affects more than everybody you. it ripples oh. out it, you know, I, I said you i said that that's pretty good when, when did i say that i, believe, I think on the last one uh, on the on the podcast the Yaris podcast, oh. I believe we were. thanks for listening <laughs> were you just sitting on the other side at the other table when we were here no you were you listen- I, I, I stopped in for a minute i don't i didn't like to bug you guys when you're recording oh i meant to say long time listener first time guest oh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah, good one. Really that's, a, that's a first. It is a first. <laughs> we're really glad you guys decided to have us on. Yeah. Well, not for lack of trying. We we have been yeah. talking about this for yeah. for a long time, and I think really it was Danielle waiting until the wines were in a place where you felt like you wanted to talk about them, right? So we should. Correct. should we, I was just saying. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into let's get a second into wine. The actual wine. Six, so, 16, then 17, or you go 17, then 16? 16, then 17, yeah. Okay, so what happened between 14 and 16? There was no grapes in 2015. Yeah, so uh, 2015, is that really what it I is? did a short stint at The Vineyardist, um, and I just, I wanted to completely commit myself to The Vineyardist because I was basically um, the assistant winemaker on site. And so I and, just... And for those who aren't familiar with, the Vineyardist is um, off of Calistoga Road. Petrified Forest. Uh, Petrified Forest Road. Um, like high up above Calistoga. Um, pretty pretty remote kind of place. Um, so being the winemaker on site there, Mark Harold was the winemaker there. Mark Harold was the winemaker. Yeah. And so um, I was his uh, right-hand lady on site uh, that year. And I really wanted to you know, commit myself to be there. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't really grow. There wasn't a lot of grapes that year because of the, the shatter. Um, so I ended up having a lot of time on my hands and I probably could have made a 2015. Um, but I mean, like I said, I, you know, it's all about for me, um, the opportunity to learn. And I just didn't want to, um, have a distraction of wine, you know, out 8th Street East and then um, driving up to Calistoga after that. You know, when I was working for Cake Bread, it was easy to just stop, you know, on my way to work um, and then on my way home from work. Um, and then Neil was uh, very nice and 
would do my afternoon punch down sometimes for me. I'm um, sure I bought them some beer and goldfish. <laughs> shout, shout out to Neil. He's a he's a is he he's actually assistant assistant winemaker there. Came in. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, and his dog. And, 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 and Edgar's been there for like three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. And he helped a lot in my making of my 2014 Morved and in my 16 Cabernet. Because um, so. the 16 Cab was also made at Cayman. Yeah. So we have the six. Fifteen. We kind of. We were like looking at actually turning this into a, you know a real label, which when you're starting out a wine label, there's a lot of um, there's just a lot a lot to do, and especially when you're not in the industry trying to figure out exactly what to do, the TTB, all the, all the tax stuff and everything, it just takes time. And I think we were like, well, if we're gonna do this, let's you know put our efforts into actually getting all the paperwork done, and then 16 will come and we can actually start producing. That's for, crazy, man. Yeah just crazy to do it that way you mean the speaking from some, the right way the right way yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> speaking someone and, and i you know i'll leave his name out of it but he's like oh you can do all that later it's just on my bond just make just get the wine grapes and bring it in make it into wine yeah, yeah. you know and then from there on you're just behind constantly because right. you you're just you're doing what you have to do to get to the next step as yeah. opposed to like just being ready to go. Yeah. And uh, so, I wouldn't say we were completely I wouldn't say we were completely <laughs> Well, I, I mean, <laughs> you were ahead of Sorry, the game. Sorry, if I give anyone the impression, uh, I apologize about <laughs> yeah. that. Well, you want to oversell it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, no, you know, but good for you guys. No. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. And you learn, and you do learn a lot um, from going through it kind of step by and step. Once you start doing sure. that, you know, you start producing a new label, dealing with the TTB, it's all just kind of a, a small process. You don't have to relearn. I, I never in the I, approach. I never realized how easy it was to get label approval. Like I was always. Well, it's, they've also it's also gotten much easier. Right. It's gotten I, a I lot understand. in the last like four, especially oh, with man, the. We'll get label approval in like two weeks. Right right. It's going fast. The the on like fully online submittal processes has sped that up. I mean, it was like six seven years ago, and you know I've you've heard me say it on here before. The honestly like a win. Of the previous administration I, that I shall not name, uh, who shall not be named? <laughs> who shall not be named? Voldemort. Um, <laughs> I don't even know. That's all I know about Harry Potter. So let's not let's not go there. Um, the TTB and, and Cola's label approving uh, approvals like was way sped up, and I think probably right. because there was a whole bunch of like industry sycophants that they stuck in there that didn't care anymore or wanted it to go faster. Uh, but uh, you know, and this it's. Um, it's way better than it used to yeah. be. It's no, like, and I understand that. I guess yeah. mine was more of like commentary on, uh, yeah, it's... how hard you made it for yourself. No, because <laughs> yeah. that's just it. I never was able to do it myself because I always relied on wherever I was making my wine to do it, and it was always such an issue. Whenever it was, it was never just that simple. And yeah. when I started doing my own, I'm like, I know this has gotten easy, but it's. I was very intimidated when I yeah did yeah I, it's them, very, everything's you know. intimidating and, and something like, about TTB and ABC and you just like going oh, if I send them something in the mail they that's we're linked right. <laughs> goes on your permanent record <laughs> <laughs> I mean alcohol tobacco firearms <laughs> yeah no so yeah after so producing uh, the wine in 16 you know taking in the same Mouvedre from Contra Costa well wait vineyards. wait we um so 16 yeah. is actually I was working for Mark Harold um and in hit in at the winery where he was the custom crush where he was producing his personal label 
um, and also um, some small clients. And, and it was uh, me, who is kind of the seller master in quotes, and uh, John Keyes, who is the assistant winemaker um, there. And um, Mark had a bunch of extra um, Morved from Contra Costa um, vineyards and, that he was trying to sell. And it was actually 17, um, and I didn't get any cab. So I was like, you know, I mean, I technically helped make this wine. So, you know, I so would be the 16, the 16. So I would, I would be happy to take some off your hands and, uh, and bottle it up. So this, this is a collaboration, <laughs> yeah, works. um, uh, of, uh, Mark Harold and I, um, I hope that's okay, Mark, um, making this 2016 Morved, um, but same this vineyards, uh, Castano family farms. And um, it's, I mean, it's, it, you can, if you've had Mark's wines, you can kind of tell it has a Mark. Um, a, a little Mark Harold signature. Somewhere. Mark Harold signature on it. Um, very smooth, uh, nice yeah. acid. Velvet. Velvety. Um, and uh, uh, good, good oak, a lot of oak characteristics on there. I mean, really though, as far as winemakers to spend the, in t essentially the entirety of the beginning of your career working for oh absolutely I mean, he Mark was Harrell my was... only pretty much my only influence right. um because working for for cayman and then working for him at vineyardist and then working for him in his winery like that who was how i knew how to make wine right um so you know if i was calling the shots i probably wouldn't have made it any differently um so uh yeah so that's the 2016 Morved, which is delicious, I think. Yeah. I mean, again, to have your first legal label to be a Mark Harold collaboration from 100-year-old <laughs> grapevines. Right. Um, so much better than the Petit Sirah would have been. <laughs> a little bit easier, so um, I think. <laughs> should we tell the story about the label? Yeah, yeah. So what, is, what does Jam de Bois mean? Okay. You, you have the label, and we'll throw some pictures of this on yeah. Instagrams and stuff. It's a sex but the, 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 well, the original label, the, the mm. 2014 label, which, you know, I know from just hanging out with you guys all that was happening was like a photo like a photocopy of a photograph of a painting yeah. that may or may not have been a family member hanging in your grandmother's so, house or yeah, something. Yeah, correct. Okay. So, um so uh Jean de Bois Langlois. Um so my last name Jean de Bois means um leg of wood in French or wooden leg. Um and as told to me by my grandfather and cousins, um he was an ancestor of ours. Um, a pirate who, you know, sailed around the Caribbean, um, you know, somehow at some port, you know, knocked up one of my family members and then, hurrah, it's us. Um, so. But they settled so as, down, as, right? this, as this, as this thing sure go. They probably took her out to dinner. Oh, things. yeah. <laughs> they settled down on the ship and had the stateroom. No, no. Live yeah, happily ever live after. happily ever after. I'm, I'm sure it was that nice. Um. So, so I, um, you know, as a kid, I was always, we, you know, this 
this painting hung in my grandmother's house and it was the same room where the Christmas tree was and we opened presents. The blue room where no The blue room. That, like the nice room. Right, you weren't allowed into that room. We were not allowed in the blue room and we would, we would on the um, run through it, you know, just to get, you know, to make sure, to see if no one would catch us. But, um, <laughs> and there were Andy's mints in like, you know, a crystal bowl on the probably, coffee table. Probably counted before and after you left though, right? <laughs> there were 17 when they got here and there's only 12 left now. So, so when I was thinking about, you know, what I wanted my label to be and, you know, how I wanted to kind of express, um, my history and my love of wine, um, you know, it, of course, like I said before, it came through my father. And so it was really important for me to put kind of a, a, a family feel, um, an ancestral feel of, of where I came from and an ode to, you know, my papiche, my grandmere. Um, and so I, I called them up and asked if it was okay if, um, you know, Jean Dubois was on the label. And I asked all my uncles, you know, because that's her- their heritage too. Um, my dad's one of six brothers. How many cases did you have to promise them for them to <laughs> say yes? Well, the f- I, I met some of those guys here at wedding. I wouldn't be like nope. the first one's free. First so. One, right. <laughs> so where have I heard that before? Um, so now we're uh, we're in the process of designing the actual label, not the uh, 2014 label, because well, no, I, the 2014 label. Is so just that a, is a the photo of uh, of the painting that yeah. hung in, yeah. in the blue room. Yeah, absolutely. So my my uncle took a photo and then sent it to me and we took it over to Copy World or whatever and <laughs> they made some stickers. R.I.P. Um, <laughs> Copy World, not not the uncle. Uh, yeah, cause, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So, but that is uh, the painting. That's the painting as it hangs in the yeah. in the blue room. Yeah. And, but it's not it has no blue in it. No, it's no longer in the blue room. My um, uncle Raymond has confiscated it for his house now. So, oh, okay. um, well, now that the late wine label is a big deal, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's under lock and key, temperature controlled. Yeah. <laughs> um, glass. So then, when we were designing the the label for the uh, wine that would be sold commercially, I kept the painting on the back, a small um, uh, printing of Jean de Bois Langlois on the back and there's a little bit of the story um of who he was and what he meant to our family um but i was gathering information you know to write this little blurb for the back and i was um calling you know my stepmom i'm like oh ask grandmere you know like where's that that booklet that papiche made about you know our ancestry and how we're connected to jean dubois and um you know, they're like, oh, call call your cousin Brigitte. She knows. She has it. Uh, or Uncle Raymond is like, okay, okay. So I call them, and they're like, uh, we don't have that. And I'm like, oh, all right. Um, so then I, uh, I call back, and I'm like, oh, well, I found, you know, this uh, history on Wikipedia about um, Jean Dubois. And they're like, no, no, that's not the same guy. There's a book. There's a book out there about Jean Dubois, and, and we're going to find it. And I'll ask Grammaire. So uh, we keep asking, we keep asking, and Grammaire's like, oh, well, you know, actually. And I'm like, okay, well, the, the label's been made. I'm just doing the blurb here. So, like, what's happening? And she goes, 
well, it, it hung in, the painting hung in a restaurant and the restaurant was closing and your papiche really loved it. So we took it home. And I was like, <laughs> just mortified that now my label um, is based on a stolen art, stolen art white lie um, that was told to me by my papiche and my cousins. Um, that's now my wine label, but I think it's a, I think it's a funny story and, um, on the back it says as family legend goes. So I think right. that, that about covers that, it. That really does cover <laughs> it. And then, and then, so about the sextant on the front. Oh, it's um, a, it's an astrolabe actually. Okay. Sorry. Which similar to a sextant. You use it yeah. to use the stars to navigate with the ship. Yeah. Okay. And is that is that something that you just found and really liked, or was there a connection? Uh, no, it's something I found and really liked. I mean, the the shape and the symbol is just really beautiful and yeah. intricate. And you know, these things were made um, out of precious metals yeah. and and actually used in the um, the Muslim community of sailors, um, which I found out once I did a, a, yeah. some history on it. But I mean, just gorgeous um and um so i thought that i would adorn them to the um front of my labels and the uh, sextant was already taken so (laughs) that goes along with the pirates and the the ships and the sailing yeah it absolutely does it's a a great connection well it's something like we weren't trying to go full sailor jerry wine front you know it's nautical without being like a three-masted ship you know right. yeah. yeah yeah without being dry creek the undercover right. pirate you know right the undercover pirate who, i did i did may or may try not that have been a pirate and may or may not have been related to us <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a pirate to me <laughs> he's pretty piratey he's pretty pirate yeah yeah it's the leg that gives it away yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do we want to move to the 17 17 so this um, I made over at Enkidu, now Magnolia, um, for 2017. And I, I poured my own. Oh, right. Um, very lucky that I was sourcing more Vedra because I got to make a wine in 17 um, before the fires. So very this happy from to have this. That it's from the same vineyard? Castano Vineyard, yeah. Uh, so Danielle, let's talk a little bit about the winemaking without talking about the winemaking. Okay. I mean, what is, what, what were things that you learned from Mark Harold that, um, that you've carried on? Okay. <laughs> and then what are things that you learned from him that you're doing differently? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Mark had a great understanding of, of tannin development in grapes, um, that he was able to just taste throughout um you know on the vine and then during fermentation i mean one time a crazy story was uh john and i and mark were tasting through tanks and we tasted this one tank and and mark was like oh yeah this needs more time this is probably at like you know 12.3 alcohol and we're like what like you can just call that in the middle of fermentation and so john and i sent it into the lab just to see (laughs) right on point we were we were amazed, um, Mark the mad scientist. So, um, you know, I learned how to, um, you know, really wait for those flavors to develop in uh, on the vine, 
and then also you know to let the um the wine sit on the skins for a little bit until that tannin development is right where you want it um and that all that has to do with just tasting and smelling the wine um throughout the whole process and the grapes um so yeah, that's what I took from Mark. I think something that I'm doing a little bit differently from Mark um, is um, after I've come to get to know uh, the Morved and the um, Grenache grapes a little bit better, um, I think I'm using a little less uh, new wood. Um, because I, while I feel like Morved can definitely handle some new wood, I think Grenache um, shines better when it's, you know, second use or, um, very, very little. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't I necessarily agree. mean yeah, Mark and Mark, but just in general, you know, I mean, um, just things that you've, you know, come to, come to learn yeah. during your, your pro going through your processes yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah, it, they're all delicious wines. Um, and so what's currently available? Um, so the 17, we only made one ton of, um, so it's wine club only, uh, but the 16 is available. Um, and then the 18 Rhone style blend, which we'll taste next. Is and available. which one is getting poured at the big right now? 16 more 16. bad. Mm -hmm. And then this would be a good time to shout out the, um, website. And, uh, oh. since we're talking about the wines yeah, for people so, out there listening, uh, com. <laughs> You should probably spell that now. <laughs> yeah. For those of us sitting at this uh, table and listening. <laughs> yeah. J-A-M-B-E-D-E-B-O-I-S. JamDeboisWines.com. We will post it um, yeah, on all yeah. of our We're socials. on Instagram at JamDeboisWine. Wine, yeah. Um, yeah, so you can uh, go there and see all the wines that are available and learn about the, um, the vineyards that they come from. Um, and then what is your structure of your wine club for people? Uh, I actually don't have one yet. Okay. <laughs> Dan? Well, yeah, we... So there's still time to get some of that right, 17, yeah. obviously. People, people who order we, a case we... a year can have some 17. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's basically just for our customers, and we want to keep it available for the people that are really enjoying it, that are right. buying our wine instead of just trying to sell it out and Perfect. make it unavailable because we really want it available to the people who are really enjoying it, not, so, not just as a... I hear I heard I should buy this and to sell it and forget it, you know. So 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 go on and get some 16 and let them know you heard from the winemakers podcast and sweet talk yourself to yeah, Dan just, a little bit of 17. So, <laughs> squeeze into the DMs. Danielle's going to say no. <laughs> squeeze into the DMs. Um I was doing a a uh kind of promotional thing where I was doing a um sampler six pack or 12 pack. Went back when my uh, rosé was still available, but we can throw another 16 Morvet in there, um, if you still want to try all of the all of the different wines, um, and get a couple extra 16 Morvet. You'll get a 17 in there for sure. Good deal. Well, while we're in the middle of plugging things, um, and also this is serving as have have we hit you up yet? Um, yes. We we, we have. have oh, we did. Okay, get it. Oh, uh, the uh, the auction. Auction the Hospice de Rhone, we will carry on. Uh, so Hospice de Rhone virtual live auction May 23rd, which as this podcast will be coming out is is coming up fast. Uh, the number 13 auction lot, our our lot, uh, is how you get to drink like a winemaker's podcaster, and it's as many 
wines from as many producers as we can think of and remember and hit up uh, donating a bottle of or more of, of a Rhone wine that they make. Um, we're like north of five cases right now. Um, it's just like a crazy collection of wine, including Gem de Bois. I don't know what you guys are giving us, but we'll get yeah. something. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the 16 Morved and the 18 Rhone Stoutland. Okay, there you go. Uh, so that is, a, a, go to the Hospice to Rhone website and, and you can find links to get there. There's there's 12 other awesome auction lots, uh, including basically being a, a guest of Sandra Bernstein in a Rhone tour of Sonoma Valley. So starting here at the Tasting House, going to see Peter Mathis, uh, playing Patonk and having a catered lunch uh, at the Patonk Courts here in town and then finishing the day off at uh, the Three Sticks of Doby drinking the Casaneda, which is their Rhone blends that you can only get if you're you basically there, right? a member there or apparently friends with Sandra. Um, so that's an auction. Uh, there's a Jeb Dunnock tasting. There's Ooh. some... Sa- yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, there's some sax. It's a, the, the lineup is amazing. Um, go check it out. Just make sure you save some money for uh, item number 13. Yeah, I was going to say, we should probably uh, pool our money together and, and try to buy something that would be buy fun Buy something to else? Do. Yeah. Just not our own thing. Well... Yeah. If we have to. Or. If, if we have to. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll depends on how right. things are going. <laughs> are there suggestions, suggestions on price? I mean, I think we were talking. I don't know. I don't know if they've put it up yet. Bart and I were kind of yeah, like they, running it back and forth. Five cases of these wines, you know, an average of $40 a bottle. I mean, basically it's a $2,500 auction lot, you know, a collection of wine, um, but also a collection of wine that could only happened because of hospice to run and because of, of this show so it's uh and, and it's got and, intrinsic value too yeah. it's and there are certainly going to be wines there that are not available you know at this point yeah. or you know any of us there's some things that we won't be able to get most likely so so bid early bid off often yes. well and it's and it's a live it's a live auction right it's right. going to be really like bidding live virtually virtually live bidding uh, so check them out ahead of time, and then make sure you tune in on, on May 23rd, wherever, wherever you are. It doesn't matter. You can do it on your phone. Right. <laughs> you sit on the beach and spend $10,000 on our five cases yeah. of wine that we put together. Your, your kid's Just got, throw a, that out your there kid's got a, a basketball game? <laughs> you can do it. There's two lots available at that price, right? <laughs> I, if somebody wants it, we'll double it. We'll, we'll hit up everybody else again. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you guys... John DeWa, first first donation on the second lot. Thanks, guys. Are you throwing uh, a bottle of 17, too? Uh, oh, maybe. Um, so what do you guys think of the 17? I, I like the 17. Um, I, I definitely... It's it's a much more of a Danielle wine yeah. than a Mark Harold yeah. wine. It yeah. doesn't quite, you know... Mark Harold, God love him, you know... Can sometimes kind of hit you over the head with Mark Haroldness, um, <laughs> both wine and in life. Uh, sometimes it's that like pen that he keeps in his pocket that hits you over the head with the Mark Haroldness. Um, and this brings out much more of the the delicate flavors. It's softer, it, uh, it's softer but it has yeah. better structure. Like yeah. I think the the sixteen had a roundness that um, is really nice and delicious, mm-hmm. but I think this is more interesting. This, um, so I just only used, um, 
like one second year barrel and then an old barrel. So this this barely has any wood on it. So um, which I mean, the decision to do it at the time was probably based more on finances than um, yeah, I know how that style. goes. Reality. Um, yeah. But, you know, it I you know, it made me it helped me learn a lot about what my style of wine um what I want to be and what I want to put out into the world and learn more about, you know, the grape, um, you know, which that that's what this whole wine label is about to me. It's, you know, it's about figuring out stylistically how I want to make wine, how I personally prefer it. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, um, a culmination of, of things that I've learned from everyone that I've worked with. And so it will continue to change and fluctuate with, with the new stylistic um, methods that I learn and, you know, with my changing palette. Um, so, you know, come along for the ride. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, that's something that I, I've always... Um... You know, I've heard you say before, and I sort of admired um, about sort of what your goals are with Jump Up Wise. It's not to like blow this up and make this your brand that's your full time job, but to be this vehicle for um, your own sort of growth and learning in this. And that's, um, you know, I, I think that uh, not always the place that one, you know, we, we come when we start wine labels and come from is, you know, it's a, a different end goal and I think that um, the humility in that comes through in the wines is like this is about the place and, and the grape and not like yeah and the exploration who I, yeah who I think I am or want to be you know yeah and, yeah. and when you work for Thank someone you. yeah yeah well said <laughs> Sam I, I didn't mean to interrupt no. but I was gonna say it but also Medra. when I you when I drank you, some I didn't spit it out and <laughs> things got better when your full-time job is making wine for someone else, and even though it's your wine, um, it's it's still not all ever completely your wine. And um, so therefore, even though you're learning from those experiences, they don't necessarily always translate to you, this wine, to your wine. And you only get to do it, as I always say, once a year. Yeah. And depending on the goals achieved that year, the next year you have new decisions to make, and then you have you know, the environmental um, things yeah, that which happen. Which is rapidly changing. Which is rapidly know, changing. Yeah. So it's always, it's a moving target constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's one of the coolest things about it, isn't it? Absolutely. And like, that's, um, you know, that's what I love about making wine is, um, you know, it's, it's always going to be different every year. And there's no way you can ever stop learning. There's always something new to learn. And, you know, if you ever think that you know everything about wine, then that's ego, man, and it's getting in your way. Because it is, um, there's always something to be learned. Um, so, which is which is why I love it, you know? It's it's humbling, and it's beautiful when you, you do it in a way that you think um, expresses who you are and what you like to drink, so. Okay, well, should we uh, dig into the... The blend, the, the style blend. blend. I just want to call it steel plow because <laughs> it is steel plow. Because you know I, I'm all about vineyard names, especially when I put them on labels. Also, right, exactly. Um, when but self, when I mean, when, when cross promotion, right? When not self promotion, cross promotion. Thanks, Bart. Oh. <laughs> I appreciate the, the clarity. Yeah, the, the clarity. clarity. 
So this is um, a evolution in uh, winemaking style. So 2018 was my first year making wine um, at Lasser Family Winery. Um, and we brought on Philippe Combi as a consultant there. Um, so we started his protocol in Rhone winemaking. And so I um, used his methods and a lot of help from Isabel Gassier um, <laughs> to, to produce this wine. <laughs> John likes it. Yeah. Um, so Got a new this, customer, Dan. <laughs> this is from Steel Plow Vineyards, um, which is a vineyard that Phil farms organically. And um, it is 66% Grenache um, and 33% Morved. Um, and we did whole berry. Uh, and we do, um, just saying that's 99%. Oh, shoot. Well, 66% 0.666 and 33.333. I, I'm only saying it for our <laughs> listeners because the extra 1% I've, is love. And I, I've, I've done things on air. I've done things on air and people have said, I think that's 104. Yeah. They're going to correct me for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. But that's good. That means they're listening. Yeah. Sorry, Danielle. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, that Dan's right. That extra one percent is love. So. Absolutely, and love and soul. Love mm -hmm. and soul. Um, so I got to learn all of these new winemaking techniques, um, delistage and extended maceration. I was going to ask, what is Phil's program that you adopted, Compi? Oh, Philip Cumbie? Yeah. yeah. So um, it's a lot of, um, so you use Delistage instead of just punch downs and pump overs. And Delistage is where you completely drain the tank um, of uh, liquid. So you just have the must in there and you let the must kind of dry out and um, get warm and become this like cakey mass before you then put the wine back over the top. So how much time is that? Um, it depends. I mean, sometimes you, you, you do just uh, 30 minutes to an hour, and usually for the very last one, um, you do about five hours or as long as you want. Um, and the idea is, is that if you're just doing um, a pump over, you get these um, kind of creeks that go through. Channels. Channels yeah. that go through um, like the must. <laughs> And um, so the, the wine only passes through these channels and they become wider and wider and you're not actually um, getting the wine to all of the skin. So if you drain all of the wine from must and you let the must kind of compress on itself, then the channels will go away and the wine, when it's poured back over, is, to, is able to develop new channels. So. And, and then when you pour it back over, do you do it with like a fire hose style trying to break it up or is it done with a sprinkler? Uh, we do it with, with fire hose style. Yeah. 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 Because that's kind of the knock on the sprinkler is that the, the wine just finds its way down. Yeah. The, the channels. Creeks. Yeah. Um, the creeks. <laughs> the creeks. <laughs> oh, what an interesting opportunity to learn. I Absolutely. Mean, for, it's not that many people have that opportunity. Yeah. Right? And um, so that's, it was, it's really cool. And then, you know, uh, Isabel Gassier, who is Philippe Camby's stateside right-hand lady, um, you know, would come by and taste through the Laster wines every week. And then we could taste um, through my wines at the same time and uh, make decisions about what to do the next day. I mean, every single day you're tasting and you're like, okay, do we do a Delistage? How much, um, 
uh, micro ox are we going to add? Um, is it just a punch down? You know, where is the wine in development? And then with extended maceration, you do have to be so careful and so attentive because the wine be is in now a vulnerable state because you know the CO2 is no longer producing, um, but you still don't have any sulfur on the wine. Um, so it's it's a very you know detailed and um, uh, thoughtful. thoughtful way to make wine and, and you have to be really involved and you know my favorite thing is when Isabel comes to the winery and just sticks her hand straight into um, you know the the macerating must and pulls it out and smells it and I'm like I got to do that you got to get dirty and like that's part of winemaking so there's um, things that computer computers can't yeah. tell you yeah exactly you know? Yeah, and, you can test you, all day, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And you get a sense like, is the, is it warm? Is it segmented the temperature? I mean, there's nothing like feeling the temperature. You can read the number, but yeah. actually feeling it and having an ID and tasting it. And yeah. Tasting it. yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it's always exciting when you're using a new method because it's it's new and exciting, and you're learning. Um, so yeah, so this is 2018, and this is the first time I I use that method um, with a steel steel plow fruit, which it tastes um, like steel plow. It's it so tastes, good. It like steel plow. And 2018 was um, a wonderful vintage, but also kind of a tough vintage when it came to especially the steel plow Grenache. Um, you know, we picked steel plow Grenache on the day before election day. And it was really late. It was there. really late. Yeah. And and really like, as far as that vineyard goes, we probably could have waited another couple of weeks. Absolutely. I literally begged Phil. I was like, the last day that you will allow me to pick the fruit, which was probably the day you guys were picking the fruit. I was, that's when I wanted to do it. And that's the thing about making Grenache in this style is that, you know, California Grenache holds tannin in the grape skin for a really long time i mean the flavors can be there the sparkle can be there but it's gonna you know pull all the moisture from your mouth if you chew on that skin and you really have to give it time um, um to do the style of winemaking so you know you're you're always like i know it's november but can yeah, we just wait a little longer and you're like, no and you're like no it's time to be done for the year i mean it, it learning that about grenache has sort of it like pushed us out of making all of our Grenache at Stone Edge because we were always kind of like in this boat, like kind of like you did with the Mavedra at, at, at Cayman in fourteen. Is you can pick it before it's in the way of all the cab guys, yeah, and you know ferment it and and get it in barrel and it's out of the way, and then you bring in the cab. Now with you know forty day macerations on on Grenache Combi style, you know you can't do that in a cab dominant winemaking yeah i mean we have in the way there's no room we have tanks that are specifically designated for our Rhone wines at lassiter like they're we save them because you know those wines are going to be in there for a month right. so well, you certainly got my attention with this wine it's just <laughs> oh thank you dollar man just woke me up really yeah it's um it's it's definitely different than a california style Rhone um, because it's, you know, it's the Philippe Combi influence. Um, he's bringing all the secrets from France. <laughs> hey, well, that's good for us. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it does have the black. I mean, that's the, yeah. especially on the finish there, it's like, 
that's that piece that combi is looking for yeah absolutely with, with wines you know with grenache especially and it's there and it's but it's in all it's sort of like bright elegant steel plowness some stems danielle Mm-mm. no whole cluster only on this and on the 19 but I um, am talking to wait a minute whole, whole berry cluster. or whole, whole cluster. Whole, oh, sorry, whole berry. I yeah. apologize. Whole berry. Right. Um, uh, I I'm thinking this year um, that we get a good harvest. Uh, I'll be uh, you know if the stems are there. Can we knock? Can we knock on wood with something large? Do we have right. a sledgehammer? <laughs> Dan, if this if the stems are are showing that the, it would be a good harvest to do this, then I. I'm definitely going to do some whole cluster fermentation and some co-fermentation um, on the 18 run style blend. And I'm also uh, getting some Rossi fruit, so I'm very excited. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, another person on the list. I feel the That's squeeze. <laughs> I feel the squeeze, man. There's all you know, these new players I've been there. on. I've been on the list for... We've got some old players, I think, is what happened. I've been on the list for two years, and... Every year, I'm like, you know, Phil, it's cool if you just want to give me that steel plow fruit because it, it really is delicious. Um, but I think this year might be the year. So we'll see. Well, and getting, I mean, uh, you know, I say this entirely biasedly, obviously, but um, getting to play with a, a Rhone blend from steel plow and a Rhone blend from the Rossi Ranch, which are, you know, they're a, a mile apart. Um, but entirely different, um, you know, entirely different expressions of, of these varieties. I mean, that's, um, to me again, of course, that's, but that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, it's the ultimate, um, uh, geeks, winemaking geeks, um, playground, right? Same farmer, uh, a mile away from each other, totally different soils. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um. I'll just stay where it's I'm at, Roger though. It's gone Roger. Yeah. You just skipped the steel plow step and went straight to the Rossi step. <laughs> Sounds like there's some more steel plow available now. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can only afford one. I, I, like, I really none love, the, um, you know, the steel plow and, and especially the 19. I mean, you guys are going to have to forgive me. This was bottled on Wednesday, um, so it might still be uh, uh, recuperating. But um, I lo- I mean, the nose on this is just, I'm, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> um, so blend on this one. This is a little different. 7, 13. Yeah. That yeah. Adds That's it to 100. 100. Yeah. <laughs> 87, 12, and 1% love. 1% of, <laughs> 1% love and whatever else made it in there. <laughs> exactly. I taste a hint of earwig. <laughs> it's organic. It's definitely a little bound up still from uh, yeah. the bottling. Yeah. But it's very bright. and This um, isn't released yet. No, it won't be released until at least next fall. Um, but I was too excited to not share yeah yeah so the only so uh, a change on did on this one was uh the only wood i used was actually on the morved and the grenache um had no new wood on it um which uh, that's just something i've come to learn of over what i prefer is that if you're gonna put wood on a um rhone style blend 
you should do it on the grapes that can handle it, which are the Morbid and the Syrah. I don't use any Syrah in my Rhone style blend. Um, I just love the Morvet and the Grenache characteristics so much that I just, the Syrah I feel like overtakes a Rhone style blend so quickly. And while it does offer, um, you know, some very good quality characteristics to some, I just, what I, you know, personally love is the, the Grenache and the Morvet together. So yeah. it's the, it's such a fine line with the Syrah and, um, it's, it's a hard target to hit, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, where it, you know, and it doesn't lose its identity. It just changes. It changes it from being a Grenache-based wine to just a blend. Right? Yeah. But, you know, I, I think it might also just be something about the 18 and 19 vintages, uh, mm -hmm. the way that the Grenache ripened and the Mbevedra ripened and the Syrah. We, um, I don't know about the steel plow, but I, I know, I think the steel plow has a little Syrah on it. The, our 18 Rossi um, and 19 Rossi are almost no Syrah. In fact, I think and no Syrah. And just, and we were making a 19 Rossi Syrah out of what we had that was, you know, bound for the blend, but just, it was better, it was better on its own. Better, both wines were better yeah. on their own, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, this is, you know, obviously has some characteristics that fall through from the previous vintage. Um, it, it smells really pretty, but I, yeah, I think Sam's right, and you're right. It's a little closed up right now. But, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll finish talking, and then we'll go back to it as it sits in the bottle here for, you know, the next three well, hours. We get to go up the hill, though, too. Right, I see that. Yeah. I see that. All right, so th that concludes the uh, Rhone section of the Jambe de Bois. <laughs> and, now, uh, and now we move to uh, the Cabernet section. And so you mentioned a rosé. Yes, I did make a rosé in 19 um, off of Senye. It was only 10 cases that we hand-bottled, okay. and it, was, it sold out. So. And it was of Grenache and Mouved? Grenache and Mouved, yeah. yeah. From good. Steel Plow. It was, uh, yeah, Senye. So um, it was yummy. It was funny because I, there was no way I was going to filter 10 cases, uh, a sterile filter of 10 cases of, of rosé. So I just it had to tell everybody, I'm like, please keep it cold. Uh, it might spontaneously go through mallow in the bottle. And if you hate it, just let me know. I'll send you a new one. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, it, it gave it a, a fun quality of like this is you're gonna get what you're gonna get and it's gonna be a surprise and i think some of them turned out to be a little effervescent and have had a little creamy characteristic which people really loved they're probably all gone by now <laughs> no, i don't think well, anybody send any back no no exactly. <laughs> no absolutely Never. not or only if they ask, didn't like it nobody told me more. so right you don't okay. have any negative um no, no negative uh, reviews on whatever that review thing is. <laughs> is it Yelp? Yelp, Yelp, Yelp. Yeah, Yelp. <laughs> People still Yelp. I don't, I don't even know. I, we get a, we get a. Yelp is only for bad reviews, I think, right? <laughs> or reviews of, or reviews of Jasmine, because uh, the sixteen six hundred tasting house is, is five 20, twenty-four five-star reviews, uh, all thanks to Jasmine. All right. At least the you know the last three. Well, who years doesn't love Jasmine? She's amazing. 
Too bad she wasn't here to hear all this. Yeah. Nice <laughs> She'll be surprised when she listens to it on the show next week. <laughs> all right. So uh, oh, the Cabernet Sauvignon. A legendary vineyard, right? Is from Moonridge Vineyard, which is um, owned by the Mang family. That makes Corbin Cameron wines. Um, Corbin Mang, good friend of ours. And when I was looking to make a Cabernet, because that's definitely what my dad wanted me to make. <laughs> um, what, dad, you buy the grapes. I'll make whatever you want, right? <laughs> um, this, you know, it was... Unless it was profit. Um, <laughs> you know, just called up our friend Corbin and asked if he had some grapes. You know, our... Our friends Reed and Danny Faye were already um, making some wine from from his vineyard. Um, so, uh, Wait, yeah. Reed, Reed. I don't know Reed's last name. I don't he know was working Reed's last for, name. Uh, he works, uh, but he was working Bedrock. for Bedrock. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I don't um, think he works for Reed's going to be on the podcast in yeah. a few weeks. Oh, great! Reed. Yeah. Griggs? Maybe you'll Reed get to Griggs, maybe yes. you'll get to taste his uh, Moonridge Cabernet. Yeah, yeah. He's going to come on with. Um, uh, yeah, he's going to come on in a couple weeks. Wonderful. With somebody. Maybe. <laughs> well, with Cody. I'm sorry. With, oh, with Cody. Cody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, filled, farmed by Phil Katuri organically. Um, beautiful, beautiful vineyard. Uh, if anybody has the chance to go, uh, I mean, gorgeous sunsets, gorgeous views. It's on the top of the world, basically here in uh, the Mayakamas Mountain Range. Right on the Napa Sonoma County line. Yeah. What vintage should we pour first? 16. I mean, um, aromatically, this wine's mind-blowing. Moon, Moon yeah. Man District Cabernet, yeah. undeniably. Yeah. Right. So this, so we're going back in time now. Robert allowed me to make this Cabernet at his um, at his facility um, very nicely. Thank you, Robert. Um, and as if, as if he's going <laughs> to listen. I'll send the bikes. Really? You think Robert's listening? Maybe he'll listen to it while he's riding his stationary bike and yelling at his agent. Right. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, and this, I had a lot of help from, you know, Neil Mason, um, and Mark Harold on this one as well. Um, but I mean, when you buy the vineyard, it was my first time calling a pick, which is, is super special for a winemaker. Um, because really if you make all my grape growers call my picks. Um, I'm not saying I did it by myself, but, uh, I, it was my first time calling a pick and, you know, it's really nerve wracking because, um, the way that I make wine, you know, you're waiting for the grape to become where you want it in the vineyard. And then once you get in the winery, you're kind of just babysitting that grape to the bottle. Um, you know, if you, if you do it right and, um, like, you know, Sam's famous hashtag organic vines make great wines. Or the wine is made in the vineyard. Um, we'll play CCOF for that one. <laughs> yeah. Thanks I'll for take, the credit. I'll take the credit. Um, uh, or that's CCOF, not Sam Couture, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so um, I, I am in full <laughs> agreement with that. And um, so my first, calling my first pick was a really big deal for me. Um, so 2016, um, we brought the wine in, you know, the... The sugars were where I wanted it. I didn't have to add any water. The acids were, um, you know, still really prevalent and high, which is, you know, what Sonoma Cabernet is kind of known for. 
um, and which I really liked. And, you know, I just kind of let the wine do its thing. I added some yeast, and um, I think it really turned out beautifully. Very expressive. Oh, and I also added some sexy Segon Moreau wood on this. So <laughs> that helps. Yeah, that helps. But that's not it. But that helps. Mm. It's such a baby, too. Yeah. Five years. I mean, <clears throat> I, I mean we've, we've seen it before. Moon Mountain District Cabernet um, is its own unique beast of, you know, it's it's undeniably what it is. Um, got this acid and tannin mm-hmm. um, that, you know, when did you open this bottle before you got here? But you probably could have opened it like three days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that this, um, you know, my style. So my first year of making this, I, I think I did do an acid adjust at the very end. Um, to get it to about a, a, a three seven, um, it was probably at like a three four three five. Um, I, after that, have decided to not acid adjust anymore because um, I really enjoy um, a cabernet with a little bit more freshness, um, a little bit more approachability. Um, it makes the cabernet. Um, a little less serious. It doesn't need as much pop in circumstance. It doesn't need that steak. It doesn't need that food. Um, you can have a glass and kind of um, feel that a little bit of a, a refreshing aspect from the Cabernet. So um, 16, like I said, I did a little acid adjust at the very end right before bottling. Um, when I was asking a whole bunch of Psalms, they were like, don't do it, don't do it. Um, but any of them actually really make wine <laughs> they taste a lot of wine <laughs> so no but they it was like you know who is this wine made for am i making this for the nerdy psalm and the winemaker or um which i'm nerdy too um or am i making this for a customer base that i'm trying to develop the houston steakhouse crowd. you know for my dad right. um and so my first year i went with you know, let's make it for the people. And now that I'm becoming more comfortable with myself and my palate and, um, you know, discovering my winemaking style now, I'm like, well, let's, we can ease this into developing my style. So, so I want to, I want to jump to the unadjusted version. So 16 obviously didn't happen up there in 17. Did not happen in 17, unfortunately. No. So this is the 18. This is the 18, yeah. There goes the dilemma now where we can expect there to be a fire every couple of years and we just buy as much fruit when you can. Right. <laughs> make it when you can. You know, make your seven, make your 16, yeah. make your 18, make your 19, take 20 yeah. off. and Well, like, you know, cross, 18 and 19 were at least, you know, heavy vintages. So making up for our 2020, but we can't. We can't continue like this forever. Yeah, no, we can't. Um, it's not a sustainable way of yeah, It depends on who's asking. This <laughs> version of sustainable. Right, it's going to ruin everything. Yeah. And um, just for the record, I love the way the 16 turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's The way I compare it to is like, um, you know, it's like planning your wedding. You know, you know, like you only know the details the way they were meant to be presented. Right. Like... Everyone else just has a great time. So, 
you know, that's a little behind the scenes tidbit of, of where my winemaking style went. But I'm, I am really happy with the 16 and the way it turned out. I mean, I, I, it, it's an interesting thing, Danielle, because as winemakers, we all are too close to our wines. Yeah. And, and we're never going to be completely satisfied with them. Um, and sometimes it's better just to keep our mouth shut. Sometimes. Um, and just, you know what I mean? I yeah. get myself in that, uh, that way all the time, don't I, Sam? I've never kept my mouth shut, so I have no idea. I mean, the, the reason I wanted to kind of um, tell that story was because I feel like, you know, the people who are, are listening to your podcast um, are listening for the behind the scenes. Absolutely. You know, so I'm hoping that they won't, you know, knock me for... No, oh, no, again, no. It not. goes to the the learning experience that John Dubois is. Right. You know, it's it's you um, figuring this all out in, in real time. And, you know, again, most winemakers probably wouldn't have the nerve to actually put those wines out into the world and, and talk about it because they think that not talking about it is somehow better than talking about it. And, you know, we had a... Lively conversation a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, the, the ingredient label conversation. I love that. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's a real, t- it's a real conversation about um, the sort of decades long tradition of the centuries long tradition of omission, of, of omission. Yeah. Of, of not talking about what we do to make wine and what we put in it and what we don't put in it. Um, and as you if know. it's that easy if you tell somebody, then your secrets are gone, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's not the back of a Betty Crocker box, you know. You can be pretty more, more specific about what you did and what you added. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is just people want to know. People are people care. And the people who buy wines like these are going to buy more of them, not less of them, because they know how it was made. Yeah. And, 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 I, and, and I applaud you, Danielle, for being open about that, because it goes to show that you're completely, just by telling us, it shows you're completely comfortable with the wine. It's, yeah. It's, and, and our listeners, they do want to hear those stories, and, and, and they expect to, you know, kind of hear that stuff behind. Yeah. So thank you for sharing it. Um, you're welcome. It, I mean... It, it's good. It's, it's important, because going back to the thing about omission... You know, we're laying it all out here. Everybody knows what's going on. Well, and, you know, when when I first came out here, my I was like, I'm going to make the best wine ever, which is like, wine is so subjective anyway. Like, how could you ever do that? And, you know, the point is, is that the wine and winemaking, um, you know, over the last seven, eight years that I've been here has really humbled me. And and made me realize that, you know, I don't know everything and I'm always going to learn. And, and that's the point is like, sometimes you try something and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But as long as the wine's drinkable, we're okay, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, 19, right? 2019? It's bright. It's it's, a little more acid on it. A little more acid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A little more structure, a little more tannin. Yeah. A little more tension. But it's also the vintage. Right. Right. I mean, I I, Mm -hmm. I don't think uh, any sort of adjustments that you could have made in the winery would have changed that. Yeah. Uh, I think this one, you need to lay it down for a little bit longer because the tannin is definitely there. um, A little bit more. Um, I had, I used a different block. 
this year than I, I had previously. Um, and that block is a little bit um, lower in elevation. So the acid um, develops a lot later. Um, so, uh, so yeah, a little bit more uh, tannin structure in this one. I think it's just going to lay down for a little bit longer. But, you know, that blackberry is still there. Blueberry pie is still there. Um, more sexy Sauvignon or more sexy Sagamaro? <laughs> um, actually, this year I think I did... Um, uh, That's okay. Oh, my God. I'm blanking on the barrel name. <laughs> The only people that really care are the barrel salesmen <laughs> that are looking for the plug. Sylvain. Don't, don't tell Sylvain them, barrels. Yeah, I yeah. always want to say sorry, but I know that's not right. Sylvain. Yeah, hear I that, Jim Boswell? Um, and I, I'm Marcel Cade, I believe, which I really love. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, 18 is super young. I think it's going to open up and, and really um, shine in the next five years. Just like the 16. Yeah, it, it, um, I don't think you need to think of it as less serious because of the brightness and acidity in the Cabernet. I mean, I think it, again, it, um, especially that vineyard site, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a cool spot in the lower elevations up there. I mean, even it doesn't quite have, it's not going to get the same sort of like sun-baked characteristics that you're going to get in yeah. know, Southern Moon Mountain District came in, you know, well, just like you said with Steelplow, I think we could let this, these grapes sit as, as long right, as we wanted and, them, right. until the vineyard manager says he wants to well, in be 18, done for the year, you know? <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys remember, but in, in 18, didn't we have that, that smoke roll in late? Yeah, so we want, no, uh, we did have the, smoke the rolling. Kin, the Kincaid fire. Yeah. Right. So I remember we were saying, so that kind of forced, wait, or it forced my pick. pick. Yeah. yeah, we decided, why pick it in three days when we have some Thinking possible that, yeah. smoke yeah. damage? Especially coming off the 17 where we were all on pins and needles. Yeah. For, oh, it was 18. No, 18 was, was the campfire. Up at the uh, Paradise the Fire, right, yeah. so that, which was like right at the beginning of November. Kincaid was in last Kincaid year. Kincaid was in 19. It's hard to keep. It's this, is reality it's, it's really of, this is the reality of California. Yeah. Where you're like, what? So, yeah, what it, kind, was what fire? It's, it it's kind of for, it forced yeah. the pick, but, um, you know, I mean, it's still, it's a fun wine. It's an expression of the vineyard. And, um, you know, that's where I'm kind of moving towards is, um, you know, a little bit less of a heavy hand on the winemaking side um, and just letting the wine express itself, the vineyard express itself. Well, it sure tastes like Moon Mountain. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. There's no denying that. So, Danielle, any plans for any new wines or anything like that? Um, I actually have recontacted Castano Family Farms to see if I can um, get some more fruit from them to bring back the Contra Costa uh, Morved because people love it so much. Um, but as of right now, no plans for any new wines. Um, I don't. We we brought Quinn up a little bit, uh, but we do have a uh, an almost one year old at home. Yeah, this month, right? Uh, he'll be one this yeah, month, and um, and so you know, expanding and new wine projects are taking a little bit of a backseat at this point. But there's there's years to come, hopefully. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're gonna continue making the Cabernet and the, and the Rome blend. 
Um, um, but we would like to get the single expand the ro- expand the rosé, yeah, and expand the rosé program. Yeah. Um, make more than ten cases. <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably squeeze, put, put squeeze, some, squeeze some actual grapes for it this put time. Some, maybe. Put some in cans. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Although. Well, I was gonna say the label's too pretty, but you—I think that the label on your can looks really beautiful. Right. I uh, get to lean on one of the geniuses, living geniuses <laughs> of the art world, uh, so I can't take any credit for that. Yeah. I'll take some, but I shouldn't shouldn't take any credit for that. I do really like the background on on this on the can, Sam. It so that's it a, feels sixteen six hundred. Uh, well, what I think I didn't realize about it—it's basically it's. Stanley Mouse oil paint tie dye, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. The the background is another Stanley piece that we you know sort of um, got the designer to plug into the background. Um, you know, so the back what would be the you know looks like the normal background of our of our label, but it's this sort of tie dye uh, blue rainbow thing going on. It looks uh, out of place, but it's right where it needs to be. Yeah, know? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> the idea is, um, you know, this is 16600, but also have it stand uh, apart from the rest of the lineup because uh, it is, you know, it's in a can. It's um, from grapes. This is the first wine that we've ever made that isn't specifically, I mean, it is in the family tree, but, you know, it's not a vineyard that is under the control of Enterprise Vineyards. Right. Um, Although there's Enterprise Vineyards tractors and, and trucks there pretty often, um, you know it's, it's in the family tree, but it's it's not our vineyard. Once removed, Sam, I didn't notice the background until you said something, and now now I can't unsee it. Well, it, you know it, uh, and you know there's certainly a, a nod to Waves and and Las Haras in there. I'm a, a, you know I'll jump to it with you know bright colors and stuff, but I think it's kind of when you have wine in a can, I think it what sets yeah. you aside is it's not going to be a. You know, a nice clean label is not going to stick out in a can. That's not the. Right. That's not what you're looking yeah, it, for. You're the, looking for the, something interesting, something that pops. Yeah. And then once you taste the wine that's inside, obviously it speaks for itself. So. Thank you, Dan. Um, yeah, I, there's something about being on it because you see some of the the can, right? You see the the silver can. So I think something about being on there, you need more pop in the label to really like work with that, work on the format. It's. I mean, it's definitely, you know, everything about. Making wine for a can is is slightly different than making wine in a in a bottle. You're looking, you're kind of aiming for a different place, flavor profile wise. It's got to, you know, even though we're all wine nerds and we'll drink wine in a can out of a glass, uh, <laughs> most people are gonna drink it out of a can like you would a, a you know a soda pop soda pop or a you know beer or Perrier or whatever. Um, so it's it's uncharted territory, and you know we did this big truck rolling through. It's actually not an Enterprise Vineyards truck this time. Um, not yet. It definitely, everybody, you know, we did this at Reprie the other day, and, and everybody who works there, sales side, production side, everybody, you know, wants to come and see how it works and how it's going. And, and um, I think know, everybody it's, wants it's, to see it succeed, too. Yeah, it's know? it's an intriguing place, and, and there's a piece of, like, assuaging my climate guilt um, doing a, a can that, you know, kind of removes some of the carbon footprint that glass does maybe balance out for what I did to the world and to Paul and Jasmine's backs with the, uh, the Audutet bottles. Um, <laughs> so and, and, and you glass. can actually yeah. probably shotgun these, you know, pretty easily. <laughs> I you know, it, it, it hasn't, I haven't done it yet. 
<laughs> but it's only been and it's oh only, my god it's only been like 48 hours. 24 hours say that it hasn't yeah. been done yet <laughs> it's <laughs> only sure. just past noon so right, it might be done <laughs> when we're done here yeah. we'll see ask renee what she was doing yesterday maybe right renee after after Brene, uh you know got chased out of her office by a jumping wolf spider and then uh, uh, attacked by a gopher snake. She may have shotgunned a couple of <laughs> roses last night. That sounds like the perfect time to do it, actually. <laughs> Shout out Brene Royal up there at Monterosso, living in, you know, mountain lions and bobcats and gopher snakes and probably rattlesnakes. And, and then what actually scares her is the little dime-sized spider in her office. <laughs> the jumping wolf spider. <laughs> Those things can get big, man. They can. I found one wrapped up in some hoses one time, and it was... It looks like a baby tarantula. I definitely screamed, yeah. Well, it's because you're never expecting it, and then it's there right in your yeah. face. So. Yeah. Um, any comments about the 2019? For me, um, it's really interesting. The 16 and the 19 aromatically, it, they're definitely like connected where the... the 18 didn't quite have it mm -hmm. it was a little close um but still again right in line um and i think sam's comment on the 18 like that the vintage is unmistakable and the 19 gets back to moon mountain the so. i mean 2019 for sonoma is gonna be a vintage for the ages Shout i mean this rooftops. is Every single 2019, we brought in... Because this was bottled the same time we bottled the 19... The Rhone. The Rhone, like yeah. Last week. Mm -hmm, wow. mm -hmm. um, I mean, for the... And especially for the Bordeaux varietals, I mean, everything showed up. Every single varietal showed up, and they were like, this is the best I can do ever. Um, so... I mean, 2019, buy all of it. Buy any of it you can get because it's fantastic, uh, especially for Sonoma. And I'm really hoping that it's going to um, help put Sonoma on the, on the map as a, as a very serious wine producer, uh, producing region, um, because it's, it's just beautiful. Um, so 19, I did switch winemaking styles a little bit. Um, I, uh, I was using um, Enologics a bit for that uh, tan and color ratio. Um, not every day or sending it in all the time because I definitely can't afford that. But um, a check here and there, um, you know, and feeling that not letting the wine go to complete dryness um, on the must, but pressing it a little bit early. Um, when I felt like the tannin structure was there and then, um, letting it finish fermentation, um, just, uh, without the must. Um, so, you know, it's a new technique that I learned. I, I think it makes the wine taste really juicy and gives a, a perceived sweetness. I mean, this wine is dry, but, um, the, the ratio, um, gives a, a sense of sugar on the palate because it's the same same weight as the molecule, which is pretty geeky sciencey. Sciencey, yeah. yeah. Probably, um, I don't know if it's too smart for our listeners. It's definitely too smart for the hosts. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, um, like the whole the whole idea behind the ratio and when you hit it, what the the uh, mouthfeel you get is the same mouthfeel as warm jello if you've ever had jello before it's set mm -hmm. in the fridge um 
I've only had it after it set and <laughs> also still had vodka in it. So, so well, so I'm a child of the 80s, and uh, when we were, I was sick with strep throat, I used to get strep throat all the time. Um, they thought it would be great to give me warm jello. Um, it's it's got to be... <laughs> Like a southern thing. I'm, 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 I'm a child of the... Well. well, it felt good on my throat, and it had a lot of sugar in it, which meant I would drink it, and they were like, oh, well, she's getting fluids. Right. I'm making air quotes right now. Right. Um, so I definitely wouldn't recommend that for a sick child now, um, but uh, it, yeah, it gives leave, me leave this... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it gives me the standard of reference. Um, that maybe everybody can't connect to, but there's some of you out there. I know it. <laughs> Definitely, some there's some folks in the South and the Midwest who probably that was part of their <laughs> sick day, <laughs> sick day cuisine. Right next sick to the, the Luden's cough drops is just a piece of candy. No, you know, Danielle, the science. I've I've had a little bit of experience with the. the um, the enologics thing also mm-hmm. and um yeah it is it's fascinating um the way it works and it does give you a an element to the wine doesn't yeah. It? yeah yeah and it's something that i both times that i worked with it was for short amount of time mm-hmm. so i don't know that i ever really kind of comprehended it but yeah um but but it, it's fascinating and, well, and some of the winemaking decisions that have to go along with it are um somewhat stressful right they're crazy man it's like it's like it's either now or not you send the wine in at 7 a.m and by two o'clock you might be pressing you might be pressing wines at five o'clock that day and you're just like oh man yeah we're gonna be here till 11 o'clock at night actually you're always (laughs) pressing at five (laughs) o'clock yeah exactly well i mean no sometimes you can make the decision you know you 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 don't do the afternoon pump over you know, you cool the you you don't heat the tank overnight, and then you can drain in and in, in the morning. Drain and press it in the morning. The point is to get it just below that tannin color ratio, so that you're not trying to catch up with that that evening uh, that evening press. Because once you get to that evening press, you know you're you're past what you wanted to do. But um, you know. So is that a, a technique that you? I mean, obviously working with Enologics, but that's something, because now you get to work with, uh, you know, another on the yeah. long list of rock star winemakers and growers that you've worked with, which is... Tony Biagi. So is that a Tony Biagi? That's a Tony Biagi. Trick that, you, that you're yeah. working with? Yeah, yeah. and um, he is absolutely amazing. I love working with Tony. He's so fun um, and, and really approachable and amazing. Like, you know, at the beginning, I was really stressed out because... You know, I, I got this amazing um, opportunity at Laster Family Winery and I, you know, even though I was honest on my resume about, you know, the fact that I, I didn't have, you know, a lot of experience um, running a winery, um, I, I also was just nervous about some of the questions that I, I wanted to ask in reference to Tony and, you know, he was just like, you know, don't worry about it. Like, we'll figure it out. No question is too dumb. Always lean on me. And you can always lean on me for anything that you need. That's, you know, that's my job. That's what I'm here for. Um, And so we've developed a really great mentor-mentee relationship. um, And it's been really fun making wine with him. So, Um, so yeah, so this is is a technique that I have, I've learned from Tony. Um, And yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, the, the science is always there for you to lean on. I mean, we don't 
we never make decisions purely made on the chemistry um, but it's a great tool to use, um, especially for the, the Bordeaux and the Cabernets. I do not use Enologics for the Rhone varietals, though. No, I don't think it's the, I don't think they're. It's not appropriate. That's not, that's not what that math is about. Yeah, yeah. it's not. It's not. The, the, the yeah. color is just completely different. Yeah. Um, so. Um, we, we were early adopters of Enologics at Benziger, and it was interesting. Joe and Mike both were in real favor of it to start, and Joe worked with the crew there for like three or four years. Um, and really, really um, leaned on them a lot and really learned a lot from it. Mike took what he got in the very first year of education and then from there just kind of did it his own way. Yeah. And, and I think that Mike was actually more successful with it than Joey was. Yeah. Uh, Joey got a little too caught up in like blending things together and stuff. But mm -hmm. for Mike and, you know, the estate was Sonoma Mountain Cab. Um, he did get it to you know, what his goal was, was yeah. to not taste like Sonoma Valley cap, yeah. you know, try to make it, you know, more than that. So, yeah. Um, um, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. It does, it does give you, you know, once the wine is made and, and, um, and in barrel, um, it gives you a lot of, of blending options and a lot of tools, um, you know, at, at Lasseter, we make a lot of very small lot. We bring it in, you know, two and a half tons at a time. Um, and so you do have a lot of a big spice box, a lot of blending options. Um, but for me, you know, I bring in one to two lots to make the Cabernet. So I'm not there. There's no way I can do have the blending opportunities um, that are available um, for someone who's who's making a lot more wine. Yeah. Well, the, the 19 is um, going to be a fantastic wine. I mean, it tastes great right now. And it was Thank bottled you. a week ago. Yeah. Thank you. Um, can't wait to see it in a year. When it's had a chance to, you know, yeah. res assume it's uh, it's proper form in the bottle, because um, it doesn't have it doesn't have bottle shock. Uh, I mean, it's not uh, it's not tight, and it definitely doesn't have the like <laughs> bottling effect that the the nineteen steel plow you know Rhone blend yeah, uh, up. definitely has. Like, you know, this yeah. was bottled a week ago. This is like yeah, pff, start selling it right. I mean, it's only gonna get and yeah. it's only gonna get better. As it, as well, it kind of settles in. Um, so another thing I want to mention about the, you know, the different styles of winemaking and the, the tannin development is that, um, you know, uh, Mark was doing kind of the same thing as, as Enologics was doing, but he, he was just doing it with, with tasting the wines. And, and at any, t any point, um, you know, even with the Rhones, any wine, um, when you leave it on the must, it, it undulates through tannin structure. You know, there's like peak tannin points which you definitely don't want to press at and then there's valleys um, and it's all about you know being able to taste where those peaks and valleys are um, and when you let the wine go to to dryness or close to dryness I think it's much easier to detect um, those different peaks and valleys because you don't have the sugar there distracting your palate um, whereas if you're using this style of winemaking where you, you press before dryness and the sugar is still there, you know, having that tool of enologics to help you see, um, you know, and, and reiterate what your, where your palate is thinking the wine is, at least for me, because, you know, I've only been doing this for the last year, um, with this style, um, really, really helps. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's, a, there's so many styles of winemaking, and they're all right 
and or none of them are or none of them are and it's all subjective and it's it's what you like to drink and what you enjoy and so if you like this then i'm glad you do yeah i mean and for sure when all three wines the signature of the vineyard and moon mountain district comes through absolutely so you know i mean and, and maybe and maybe like as a three pack it kind of has an interesting sort of story to tell of like a little vertical action a little vertical action of of different methods different different oak treatment different you know wine making styles fruit, but same. but it's the same it's the same vineyard and and definitely from that you sort of like pull this thread that is that site um Absolutely. I mean, there will definitely be verticals in uh, Jean Dubois' future. We're going to be holding cases back so that both for the Rhones and for the um, the cabs. Yeah. Because that's that's the fun. Right. You know, that's the fun to see what the different vintages did and how a slight change in winemaking style can change a wine. Right. And and again, it goes back to this sort of the story of what these wines are and and your development as a winemaker. Um, So that's cool. Yeah, and if you don't like it, I'll always blame it on the vintage. Blame, blame Dan. <laughs> Just blame Dan. I used to have a pretty good attitude. <laughs> Guy who drove sure, bounce it off me. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, so Dan was was always um, my uh, my guy in the vineyard. He, as we mentioned, worked for Phil for a long time, so he was always making sure my grapes looked amazing and um, making sure that I was getting the grapes I needed for. Uh, making the wine so we're we're a husband and wife team over at Jean de Bois wines <laughs> you got nothing to say about that dan yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know what else to say about that. no that's that's all you gotta I say give her all the support she needs well uh, let's go. let's revisit one time the the website the spelling um uh, it's jam de bois it's j-a-m-b-e Jambi, D E B O I S wines dot com. Yeah, and we're at Instagram at John Deball Wine. Wine, no Wine. S, no S. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we do have a special treat, Dan's 2014 Syrah. Oh yeah, oh, the the other wine that inspired us to for the very end. The, so the Pam Howard, she, yeah, Danielle was Howard. making wine that first Mouvedre, and so I decided that. I didn't want to be left out, especially with the hours that she was working. I was pretty lonely. <laughs> Moving well. up here, I didn't really know anybody, and so uh, I started, you know, making this wine. It's been tasting, it's been tasting pretty, pretty good. Absolutely. And so, where's this vineyard this from? This is Pam Howard. This is a Level Valley, right when you cross the Napa Valley line. Which so it's Level Valley right Road, left? right on In the, the middle. corner on the left, like right where you, the loop. Kind right of where the loop starts. starts, yeah, it's right on the corner. So you can either go straight or you can go right, left so on the turn, loop. Yeah. If you turn left, it's, it's on the right. right there yeah. on the corner. But if you go yeah. straight, it's on the left. And this was picked on a full right. moon. I forget what day in October the 30th or yeah. it was right around Halloween. Oh, I remember you guys are doing that like full moon pickup. Yeah, there. we picked yeah. it a full moon. It was fun. Without any headlamps in the middle of the night. We brought it in. Because you all had real jobs working for... Phil, if you'd like to call it a real job, <laughs> we're yeah, other occupied uh, day with jobs. The, yeah, day, day jobs. jobs, exactly. So the the story of this wine is kind of cool. You know, Dan and I moved here, and we really didn't know anybody. Um, and we started going to farmers markets. And um, Lauren Cudwallader, who um, used to work for Phil, had taken this project on to um, to kind of uh, 
you know, take care of the vines at Pam Howard. Well, and this was, I don't know if Phil planted this vineyard, but we farmed this at You farmed it for a while, point, it and then it got yeah, too small. It was too small, so, so Lauren... And it was Level Valley, so it was, you know... Out of the way. Right. Lauren took it on, and, Every you know, in the interest of... The road, so... Yeah. In the interest of learning, um, you know, because I had never been in the vineyard. At this point, I'd only been in the winery, um, you know, and there's there's a the whole half of the process that was missing for me. So um, I asked Lauren if it would be okay if we came and helped. Um, and then also in the interest of making friends. <laughs> um, so Dan and I yes, were... As long as there's somebody to hang out with. We didn't have to <laughs> like each other. Yeah. <laughs> Dan and I were in the... Uh, in the vineyards with with Lauren learning about you know um I think we took care I start we started suckering and ever since yeah. the suckers we stuck around and we went up there almost every week on Wednesdays and at the end of the year there was fruit left over so yeah I took some which I didn't know what that all entailed <laughs> and I later found that it was right. quite a logistically nightmare but we got it done we picked it out of the back of the truck you know, bins in the back of the truck and ran, you know, us three or four ran bins to the truck and it was, it wasn't glorious by any means. And like <laughs> How said, you miss like <laughs> tractors and forklifts, yeah. you know? Yeah. But you know, it was a learning experience and it was definitely fun. I didn't continue to make wine other than helping Danielle, um, with her vintages, but maybe some down, down the road we'll produce, Have a... produce an homage to Syrah. The... The foot, the foot de bois and the jam de bois. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you worked, you worked for Enterprise too for. Yeah, like, I did work for Enterprise. When, when did that fit into all of this? Uh, that was 2015. Okay. Um, and so as Enterprise slows down and actually begins to pick the grapes, um, was the same time that I was working for the Vineyardist. Oh, that's right. Okay. Which is which is another reason I, d- I decided not to make a vintage was because basically I would get up for a pick. Um, you know, go out and support the team at the pick, and then I would go and do the winemaking side at the vineyardist. So I just, I was like, "There's no time." Um, well, there was there was no grapes in fifteen for anybody. But then there was no grapes in fifteen, so there was plenty of time. Yeah. But I oh, right. probably wouldn't have gotten but there any grapes. Have, yeah, there wasn't any grapes to get. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got plenty of time. There's no grapes. Yeah. yeah. I can't make any wine because there's no grapes, right? So. Yeah. But. Uh, I think this wine's beautiful. Babe. Yeah, it's tasting good. No, yeah. I don't think that I've tasted this since it was like it's held up in fermentation. Held up for for this long. I don't, didn't put very much sulfur in it. Well, this has been great, you guys. Um, long time coming. I'm glad yeah. we were able to do it. The wines are all you know, great. More wine for our listeners to um, to check out. Yeah. <laughs> Get the podcast bump. Get the podcast, yeah, some sort of a podcast bump. And another wine that's going to be in the auction, in yeah. our auction. Yep, so. yep. And so, um, what, so what will be the next releases? What do people have to look forward to? The 19s. The 19s. So the 19 uh, Ron Style Blend and then the 19 Cabernet. And that will be when will they be released? Probably fall. Okay. So everything else that we tasted, except for the, obviously the 14 and the 17, if there's any left, are available oh, online. Available. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, basically you go to the website and email me what you want. And when you're, you're emailing that, uh, Jean Dubois side, it's, it's my email. So <laughs> say hi. <laughs> so get on the mailing list. Yeah. Follow them on socials and check out some of these wines. John, you got anything to wrap up there? Yep. Do we need any Thanks shout so outs? Much. I don't know what any shout outs going. Brian's at the charger shout outs. No shout outs tonight. 
Yeah. We're going to shout it out, Brene. Yeah. Bunch yeah. of fun shows coming up. So yeah. stay and check, tuned. Check out, and we'll just keep shouting out our, our own auction lot. <laughs> the hospice their own we shall carry in yon uh virtual live auction may 23rd check it out go to the website there are other good auction items not just ours but ours is the best <laughs> no it's and, not and there's fucking saxum <laughs> buy that first <laughs> i mean if nothing else we should just drive up the price of the saxum lot yeah so. totally <laughs> drive up the price of the saxum lot and then when you lose out on that you can get ours instead <laughs> right and then we'll be there driving ours up also yeah, exactly <laughs> So, um, thanks everybody for listening. Subscribe, thanks review, tell your friends. Drink more rose out of cans. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. <laughs>